Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. Phillies headed out west to Los Angeles. Take three out of four. That sounds really, really good, right? Game four slipped away from them at the end from the bullpen. So should we be happy about that? Should we be frustrated by that? There's a lot to talk about on this edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Close here, and uh, if you listen to Inside the Birds already, you'll you'll, you'll kind of have an idea that uh, my co-host here is, is kind of losing his voice just a little bit. Now, uh, if you suffered through him on that podcast, and I know a lot of you do, uh, <laughs> you're going to have to do it again. So we apologize for that. So good morning, Jeff. Good morning. The worst part is I think I'm worse now than I was when I recorded Inside the Birds, but I'm going to – listen, the Phillies had such a, a good West Coast trip a noteworthy one that I can't miss this, you know? Yeah, uh, we had to do this. And, and again, I've been dealing with some uh, health issues in my family, so that, that kind of kept us from, from going last week like we wanted to um, as we had a little health emergency in my family that at the last minute on Monday. So, But we're back, and a good week to be back because I think if we did done one last week, it wouldn't have been so happy. But this week, I, you know, Philly's lost, of course, on the Sunday uh, end cap to that series had a 4 4 nothing lead and ends up being 4-2 much of the game. Aaron Nola, pretty good game. And one run from Familia and, and man, they one out away from winning that last game. Jeff, should I, should I forget about that last game or do I need to worry about that last game? I, I feel like that's the thing that's going to stick in our head for this day off. In, against the Dodgers you're talking about? Yep, against the Dodgers. So, I mean, it's... Listen, I think the the record could have been what six and one, five and two looks great, but six and one would be incredible. But if you look at how the Dodgers were on the verge of being swept, but they didn't play badly in that entire. They weren't outplayed thoroughly every game. In fact, you know they tied the game. They came back from behind in the second game. I mean, the the Phillies had to win two of those games in the ninth inning. So to me, that was a neck and neck series where the Dodgers showed you that they are a really good team. They just, you know, the Phillies were a little bit better. And then Knievel is the guy who got out of the bases loaded one-out jam earlier in the series to win a game. So the fact that he couldn't close it out on the last one, I think I can feel a little better about because, again, on the road, neck-and-neck series, wasn't surprising me that the Dodgers are still fighting to the end. Um, So I'm going to – I'm going to still be very positive about it. I do agree that the bullpen, you know, going back to the Mets implosion, has been at times problematic. Maybe not as much as last year, but still for a team that, you know, we expect to be in the playoffs to only be, you know, hovering around 500 when the bats have come alive and the starting pitching has been pretty good, shows you the importance of the back end of that bullpen, which has been – Weirdly, like, fine sometimes and then impulsive at other times. So um, that is something that we're going to have to continue to talk about with this team. But, Frank, there's one thing I want to bring up. When we did our pod two weeks ago, I noted I felt that the the Phillies were on the verge of sort of – I made the point that they're not getting their asses handed to them. They're, they're a pretty good team. They just were losing close games, right? And that's before the Texas and Mets series where they were – they, they got swept by the Texans in a four to six, a six four loss, a two Rangers. one loss. Or, I'm sorry, Rangers, right? And then of course they played the Mets, and we all know what happened with the eight seven loss, and then the um, 
they won the, the game three to two after the uh, the rainouts. But prior to going on the West Coast, they were two and five in one run games, and four and nine in one or two run games. So they were losing close games at a seventy five percent clip. All right, then they go on the West Coast, and they go three and zero in two run games, and then they lose the two one run games. So still, still. The difference to me is they're making a few more plays to win games when they went out on the West Coast than they were to lose games. And I think that that's part of the maybe the corner turn, that they get a few more runs, the bats are a little bit more alive. And, I, I you know, you keep that up, I think they're going to be all right. You know, you mentioned you mentioned those, those plays that kind of put them on the other end. There were a couple times this series where we really saw the, the, the defense kind of let them down, right? That they had that four error game in Seattle, right? They end up losing yes. five four. Yep. And you know, you look at Aaron Nola's line and you say, Oh man, four runs, five and a third. But they gave him four well, one of them was his own error, but that's four extra outs he had to get to get to five and a third. So so even though the the the, the stat line there doesn't look that great, I think that was an example of a game where the defense cost them. Absolutely However, mm-hmm. you've also had the examples of the games where the slugging is going to take care of that and overcome that, and we saw that with that Dodgers series. So the, the, just, <laughs> you know, when, the, when they love to blow these seven-run leads, right, it's demoralizing, but you saw them fight back and, and, and claw back, you know. It, it mm-hmm. seemed like this, this was the time where the bats were in. As I saw a lot of people tweet, this is what they assembled it to do. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. This is supposed to be a team that you're not supposed to feel out of the game when you're down by two or three runs because they have so much home run potential. Schwarber, I mean, right now Bryce Harper can't get out. It's amazing. He's got a torn UCL. He's probably seen the ball better than he has at any time in his MVP season last year. He's just an impossible out right now. But Schwarber, you saw his power really come alive. That home run he hit was a game two against the Dodgers where he kind of took that high, high fastball and put it out into the night. Everybody was thinking about the Matt Stairs home run. Yep, yep, yep. That that's the Kyle Schwarber. I mean, he's I know his batting average sucks right now. On base percentage not great. I think the way they've jockeyed him around the lineup hasn't helped him out. But he's clearly got his power stroke. And Castellanos has come through. And Segura as well, by the way. When Segura, as we mentioned in our last pod, if you put him higher in the lineup, it seems to come through. And you saw that. Well, I, I think, he I think a lot of that was was being in Seattle, right? The team that traded him to the Phillies. He seemed Probably. extra motivated, and that kind of carried into the Dodgers series. Right, and he's a guy who can get hot and stay hot for a little while. You know, he did that last year too. So I, I, I'm not worried about the bats. And you know what? They made some pretty good defensive plays too, even though they're, they're going to give a few games away. Like even in the loss on Sunday, that double play they turned in the fourth, started by Camargo, was pretty amazing. Um, and Castellanos has not looked completely awful in right field. He hasn't looked great. He just – there's nothing that sticks out to me where, oh, he let a ball bounce off his head or anything like that, you know? So yeah, – You make a great Harper, point, by the way. This, this mm-hmm. I thought I thought that was overstated about how bad the offense – the defense is in the outfield. I thought Castellanos and, and Schwarber, while not amazing, they're they're passable. And, and actually – Funny that the one kind of casualty in all this is, you know, the mixing and matching of the, the DH. Now that Bryce is, is the DH and probably mm-hmm. will be for the foreseeable future, um, you, you, you were able on Sunday when he had his day off to get his injection, uh, to, for Camargo to play third while Bohm 
was designated hitter. So right. you kind of saw the best of both worlds there uh, with, with Bohm in the lineup and Camargo's defense making that play. Sure, and credit to Bohm, who has held his own at third base since the you know embarrassment last month. Done a nice job, continuing to hit. Bryson Stott, come back up. I think he's done a pretty good job since he's come back up. So, But really, I think what, what helps the defense – you know, overcome its lack of excellence is that the pitching has been pretty stellar. The starting pitching has been what you wanted it to be, especially with Wheeler and Eflin out. Um, it's been pretty darn good. And, and you I know agree what? that Nola's stat line and his overall performance look, looks way better than what the stat line and the fact that he's one and four. I think he may not be what we saw three years ago, but he's a lot better than he was last year. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think I think one thing that that I was thinking about yesterday as I was um, driving around ahead of the game uh, yesterday was that, you know, when you look at when you look at Nola, you kind of the expectation at the beginning of the season was, okay, well, Suarez was delayed. He was stuck in a hotel in Columbia. Uh, Zach Wheeler. Yeah, he didn't get to pitch in spring training. You know, he was going to be delayed. The Ranger, then uh, Zach Eflin. Knee surgery wasn't maybe supposed to come back till May. So you kind of expected the rough starts to all of them, but but a lot of people failed to consider that the other two that are healthy, <laughs> and really it was only two that were quote-unquote normal, Aaron Nola and Kyle Gibson, they didn't have a long spring training either, right? So, right. so I can understand that a lot of them, they get their momentum as they go through the season, and I think, I think Nola is kind of hitting his stride right now. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I do. I do. I think sometimes when I watch him, I still think, and this is probably always going to be the thing with him, he'll, he'll struggle sometimes to put away guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll run higher pitch counts. But like you said, some of that is due to giving extra extra outs away. But for the most part, if he's your number two, you're you're happy with that. I mean, his his location to me is a lot better than it was last year. And he's getting ahead of hitters more than last year. But, again, it's just putting those guys away. Um, But still, I'll take what he's been given right now so far. One thing I said on the radio last week was was that, you know, if this Phillies team can get – because it seemed like this this, – everyone was saying, oh, no, this stretch against the Dodgers, and then they have to do this and have to do that. Like, if they can be, like, around 500-ish – they're going to be in a pretty good spot, you know, when when you consider that this rotation is kind of coming together, coming to form, the little hiccup even from from the uh, the COVID list in for Eflin and, and Wheeler, they seem to have gotten past that. Um, Bailey Falter, he comes up and makes a spot start, but then he goes right back down to be, uh, be the sixth guy for when they start some double headers coming up. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty stable group. When you when you when you t- put pair that stable group of starters with the bats, that if they they're hanging around 500 now, they, they can go on a run. They haven't gone on a run yet, right? But I feel like at a certain point, all that's going to come together, click, and they can go on a bit of a run. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I mean, you could consider this West Coast trip a little bit of a run because the, you know five and two is really good. The only issue is that it doesn't seem like they catch a break a schedule break anytime soon where you can see them winning eight of their next 11 or doing something like the Astros have or the Yankees have because you you get Monday off and then bam, it's Padres for three. They've been pretty good this year. Um, then you get the Dodgers again for three. They're going to probably be a little annoyed by losing three or four at home. Then you're on the road to the Braves for four. And then the Mets who have been very good this year and are already five and a half games up 
at New York for three, then you come home for the Giants. That's how you finish the month. Padres, Dodgers, Braves, Mets, Giants. I mean, that, is there a little tough? You you would have gone into the year saying thank God for that Mets series, but now you're not saying that. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Tyler McGill uh, on the injured list now too for the Mets. So the Mets. Well, you knew he was pitching too well for that to continue. <laughs> right. Right. So the Mets are Mets are leaking a little bit of oil right now, so I guess that I guess that's a good thing. But you know what though, last year it seemed like the Phillies would play down to their competition. <laughs> Maybe you need them playing these good teams to really step right. up, right? <laughs> Maybe you do. But look, I think honestly, one reason that you just feel better overall. I, I mentioned this last podcast too, but like, so when when Eflin and Wheeler were on the COVID list, right? You knew that it wasn't going to be Vince Velazquez and the other usual suspects. You got a, you got Bailey uh, Falter came up and did a pretty decent job. They need Chris Sanchez. They can throw him in. And your middle relief, I think, has been all right. Oh, see, Alvarado has not been good. Mm. But I mean, can you? Nick Nelson's been all right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like overall their their overall middle relief has been okay. And back end, it's just Alvarado has really started some fires. And then you've asked Knievel to get out of a few too many. But overall, I think the middle part of the bullpen has been okay. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah, no, I would. And, and, and it's a shame. Maybe the Phillies used Knievel once too many in this Dodgers series. I, I think he came out for that. When he came out for the – he had what? He had uh, Saturday off, right? Saturday was yeah. good. Saturday was really good, by the way. Ranger Suarez stepping up and giving seven so that the, the bullpen could rest where you could actually – risk an inning with Connor Brogdon, who you don't really know what he is right now with his velocity right. still kind of down. Uh, but with Dominguez and and uh, and Brogdon there, they they were able to rest those guys. But I thought Knebel probably should have had Friday off, and he ended up coming in. Maybe that led to, to, to a little fatigue on Sunday. I don't know. But, uh, Possibly, yeah. But, uh, but, you know, I still think overall this, is, this isn't terrible. I mean, no. I feel like you're going to get these moments, yes, where – Alvarado, when he comes in, he's either going to – by the way, I want to I want to say something about Alvarado because I, I, I think I said it on this very podcast with you. The one game where uh, they went Alvarado to get out of the jam and then hand for the clean inning, I said, I really thought they should have gone hand for the clean inning. Uh, I mean, for the to, to get to, to put out the fire and then give Alvarado the clean inning. Well, right. the next time around, they did just that. They, they went, <laughs> they went hand to get 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 out the uh, out of the jam and then Alvarado for the clean inning and then Alvarado blew up anyway. So, yep. so someone on Twitter was saying, I forget who it is. Pardon me. Like, oh well, why would he put Alvarado there? I'm like, well, you know, just the other day, <laughs> I argued <laughs> you want to put put hand in your better reliever to get out of the jam and then give. Alvarado the clean inning, but that didn't work either. So Al- Alvarado, I don't know that he's going to – I'd say he could be better, but I don't think he can. I think this is just who he is. You know, he's either going to strike everybody out or he's going to blow up. He's he's our left-handed um, Hector Neris. <laughs> That's what he is, honestly. I, I, I man, I, I, I still think that Alvarado has these – has the opportunity to be a little more consistent. Yeah. Than Neris was, although there were times where Neris would go like a month and a half and be really good. But you are always going to have to look behind closed door, or what's next, and wonder when he's going to blow up, which he does. And then sort of Familia is a little bit like that too. He's got lights out stuff. He strikes out a lot of guys, but then he'll put some guys on base and, and have some blow ups. By the way, have you seen how good Neris has been this year? I knew it. I knew it when he went to Houston, he'd be great. 
He's well, allowed one. He's allowed me. one earned run in, in seventeen games. Well, how are they using him? Like middle relief? Seven yeah, he's not. Uh, he's not closing. No. Nope. Yeah. See. So I mean, good for them. I mean, if the Phillies Phillies could have had him for two million more than Familia. Well, let me, let me just see how he's doing by the All Star break because you know with yeah. Naris, whenever things are great, something right around the corner is not as bad to happen. Yeah, but good for Hector Neris. He's really killing it down there in in, in Houston. But definitely, yeah, that was a, that was a, that was the tricky thing. I know that was the one decision a lot of people second guessed. You know, do you bringing in familiar? Neris got two years. You know, like if you have one of those two years is one of his bad years, well then then that could look really bad. But uh, you know, familiar for just one year, mm-hmm. they thought maybe you had a shot. But um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that familiar is just. You can write him off, you know. I think I think he still can be decent enough. Again, trying to he's trying to replace Archie Bradley essentially in this in this in this bullpen, but which I think he can do. But uh, mm-hmm. again, you were hoping to get a little bit better. But but bullpen construction is always tricky anyway. I mean, the, the people were were just not available as free agents. You know, the the Nick Nelson move kind of a shrewd move. Uh, I don't know James Norwood. Of course, he had that big blow up that the people. That people remember him best for, I suppose. Uh, but other outside of that, outside one, of that, he's all right. Yeah, he's been okay, you know. But uh, I don't know. Alice just, is up now. I feel like it's been way worse over the years, though. I, I don't know that this bullpen is my biggest worry. I, it probably is. Actually, I take that back. It probably is the biggest worry, right? So, so when you consider starting offense, I guess defense, bullpen, defense, yeah, and no, bullpen still, are the you're two. Right. That, it's, it's still the bigger concern. But I don't lack confidence in it the way I have in the last few years. I think that's fair to say. Right? Yeah. So I'm encouraged by what we've seen with Sir Anthony and Nick Nelson. And um, that's what I was looking for going into this year was could Sir Anthony emerge into a reliable arm out of the bullpen um, as a bridge, if that's what he was going to be, to a closer or a whole <clears throat> an eighth inning guy. And I think he's been that. He's got good stuff. Um, I still don't feel he's got the best control yet either. I think that obviously coming back from the surgery, I think that will come. I hope that'll come. And I haven't heard any updates on Sam Coonrod in a while, so I don't I don't know uh the status of his injury. Right. Um he he will probably be out a while. Right. Right, on the sixty day IL. So I mean he couldn't he can't pitch before June, but uh not really clear where he where he's at with that, but uh but yeah, but overall they're they're kind of hanging in. I mean, I I know fresh in our mind is that loss, but uh, is what it is. All right, well let's talk let's talk Bryce Harper for a bit because he has been absolutely out of this world, <laughs> kind of like historic uh, historic numbers. Uh, Harper has been putting up, and what did I hear? Like in in uh, three games of a series, he has like the record for for extra base hits in Dodger yeah. Stadium, yeah. like all time. I think it was that, yeah, yeah, and I think he had had it even bef- going into Sunday's game, if I'm not mistaken. Right, well, Sunday yeah. he didn't get to play, of course. Right, he didn't but, play uh, Sunday, yeah. but that, but but that's insane. <clears throat> that is insane. Uh, you know, this this Padres series comes up is pretty amazing in that Harper and Machado are probably playing as good as anybody in all of major leagues um, this year so far, and these were the two kind of primary free agents that year, right? I mean. Yeah, Machado signed first with the Padres, and then Harper signed later for like what ten bucks more, just yeah. to be just to be a little bit you know just for Scott Boris to rub it in. And, more years though. Yeah, that's true. But there was this kind of um, 
sentiment that both of these teams were really grossly overpaid and went way too long in the years to get these guys. But, you know, Machado has been a big part of the Padres' turnaround. They haven't won anything yet, but it's been a big part of it. And certainly, same thing with Bryce and the Phillies. They haven't won anything yet, but he's been an MVP, and he's on his way to, you know, competing for another one. He may have to beat out Machado for it. (laughs) Dodgers manager Dave Roberts said he was glad that Harper wasn't going to play Sunday. Now, Harper, let's talk about this injury for a second. So, like, you wouldn't know he's injured just by watching his at-bats as a designated hitter, but he has a torn UCL. Now, if he was a pitcher... That spells doom, right? You know. Yes. That that you know. Think of Sarah Anthony Dominguez, right? He got his Tommy John surgery to repair it. Look how long he was out. But he is not a pitcher, so they're going to try to roll with this for a while. Um, he got some injections in his elbow. Had to miss Sunday. Probably misses Tuesday as well. But if he can hit, do you just <laughs> are you are you content with him just being DH? Like I I know it it's it kind of changes the plans a lot, but uh. But Bryce Harper's hitting with a torn UCL. I don't know what they do with this situation because it's really not ideal for the long term to have him be the DH the entire year and have Schwarber and Castellanos in the outfield all the time and have JT Real Muto behind the dish all the time. So I don't know what they do in this situation. It's very rare that a position player gets the Tommy John surgery. Um, I, I'm trying to remember back in history – uh, who actually did it? Uh, Rocco Baldelli, you know that name, right? The, the wow, I, yeah, the manager, turn, of the turn twins, twins manager, right? I don't um, remember him getting that though. He had Tommy. He's one. He's an example of a of an outfielder that had Tommy John surgery. Now, of course, I try to Google his own Tommy John surgery, and uh, that's when uh, you know all his twins pictures come up now, right? Because he's a manager of twins, but. I'm trying to trying to trace his his recovery here now. Unlike the pitcher, wasn't there someone more recently a position player who did it? I thought there was someone more recent. Uh, this guy, this is this is going to be a hard one to, to kind of track, I suppose, right? So, um, but uh, but but having the Tommy John surgery, I'm I'm trying to track how long a position player will be out because now here's my question: uh, if he gets the surgery at season's end. Can he come back in DH again like he's doing now quicker than if he ends up, you know, getting the, um, you know, like, like he's not a pitcher, right? So he doesn't have to throw, right? So if right. he doesn't have to throw, can he be a DH? Now, okay, I'm trying to, I'm trying to track this, this particular injury. Because I remember he had those issues around the time he was in the World Series with the Phillies, but I don't think that was his Tommy John. Now, do you, we, think, we, we, you think it's worth trying to get to get Harper surgery, and, and even if he comes, even if he's got to start twenty twenty three late, like is this something you just have to suck up and do? Well, can it heal by itself? Is what I, I mean. He can't be a DH for the rest of his life, so he's eventually going to have to take care of it, unless it can heal on its own. I don't believe they heal on their own, but because right, there's a tear, yeah, well, a minor tear can heal on its own, but obviously a bigger tear cannot. Oh, Jose Canseco had Tommy John surgery. Yes, that I remember. Of course, he he did it trying to pitch. Yep. <laughs> Carl Crawford, cousin of J.P. Crawford. Let me see here. Let me see how long Carl Crawford was out. I just think that, well, I'm wondering if there's any way, can you play him at first base at all? You try to, I mean, he still would have to throw. Maybe. I mean, yeah. 
if there's a ground ball to the first baseman and you're trying to start at like a three six three. Okay, so here's here's the quote from when Carl Crawford went on. It said it could take up to nine months for a position player, but position but players have come back sooner than that in a couple of cases. So nine wow. months. That's that's so if you do it at the beginning of the off season, so let's say you do it November first. I don't know. Is that worth is that worth trying to do even if he's out till June? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the hope he comes out, so so you might be looking at no Bryce Harper at the beginning of 2023. Yeah, I think that the, you, you have to. I mean, he's got to be able to play in the fields and throw again. So, and you have enough. Well, I was gonna say you have enough bats, but you have no idea what the future is gonna look like. But yeah, you should be able to overcome it. You can't just not do it. The question is, how do you get by for the rest of the year with him being a DH? They're making it sound like they're going to, you know, give it time, shoot him up, and see if eventually he can go back to throwing. But I don't know how that's possible. Here you go. Raphael for call had it. Didi Gregorius had it. Oh, how did I miss that? Didi was the one I remember having. having Didi. Yeah. How did I forget Didi? I knew it happened more recently. All right. So here's here's what he did. Okay. So October 12th, he announced it of 2019. Okay, 2018. And then he missed part of 2019. That's what it was. Okay. So so you're probably realistically looking at Bryce missing the beginning of the 2023 season no matter what. I mean, what right. are they unless, – unless they unless things get so bad he has to shut it down this year, right? Right. Um, That's the only other time is if, if the Phillies are like 10 games out of a wild card spot and it's still, you know, late August or something, then – yeah, you shut him down and do it. But, but by then you're probably breaking up a whole lot more than just that. But they're probably going to be in this though. Like, I, like are, I don't, yeah. I don't think the Phillies are going to be out of this race until. I mean, if they're going to be out of this race, I don't think it's happening until late September. I mean, you know, if they, if they, I mean, with the extra wild cards, I think, I think there's a shot here that they're in on it. But uh, right. But I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at Didi's uh, stats. Okay, so he was limited to 82 games in 2019. So it looks like he missed half the season. But again, he's a shortstop, so they probably weren't going to activate Didi to be a DH. Maybe you got a shot with Bryce. I don't know. I don't know if there's any way to strategize, like uh, you know, if a right-handed hitter is up, you leave him in. Right field and hope that the ball isn't hit. You maybe shade your center fielder a little bit toward right, or you just have him run like crazy every time the ball is hit to the right. And if the ball is in the gap, <laughs> your center fielder gets it. Or if if Bryce can get to the ball and just flip it to the center fielder really quickly to make the throw, or if you just put him in left field when a right-hander or a left-hander's up. You're reminding me of something that actually happened in the Phillies in a Phillies game in the early 2000s. Jimmy Rollins tweaked something at short. And so he and Marlon Anderson went back and forth between short and second base oh, I think I as, they tr- yeah. as they tried to get through that game because they had no yeah. players left. But uh, Jimmy but ended up – I mean, if you did that once yeah. a week, could you get away with it where you kind of put him in the outfield and just had your other outfielders kind of safeguard him? I mean, he, all he has to do is throw. The only time you throw is on a sacrifice or if the ball is hit in front like a, a base hit. So you just try to have your outf- your center fielder Let's say it's a fly ball to right, runner on third. See if your center fielder can just be there for the flip. Pull, pull like Vince that. Velasquez. Use your non-throwing arm to throw, right? Oh, that would be uh, – well, you know, if anybody could do it, Bryce probably could, <laughs> to be honest with you. 
Well, it's it's great that he's on fire now, but I guess we should be aware there could be consequences down the line. And uh, yeah, that's it. Might not be it might not be great a year from now as we sit here while Harper is not playing, right? Yeah. So that could be a, that could be a real issue. Uh, but how about they try to win first, right? You okay with right. that? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. Like you the just, thing about Bryce, by the way, is that he's you know he's in such a role. He's hitting even during when he's good. We know what he looks like, but I think he's going to left field with the outside pitch even more so this year. He's just taking where the pitch is and going with it. He's not pulling everything. He's been able to smack some balls through the shift when necessary. He's he's really hitting the, all parts of the field. Yeah, he's 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 definitely doing something here. Okay, of course now. Now that I they spend all this time uh, searching through this stuff, there's an article up on the Athletic uh, from the 13th, which actually chronicles a lot of players that that suffered to partially torn UCLs. Um, <laughs> usually they're in their non-throw. So okay, so Max Muncie had it in his non-throwing elbow at the end of 2021. Right, Muncy. had no had no uh, had no surgery. Corey Seager had Tommy John surgery on his throwing elbow in April of 2018, missed the rest of the season. Now he's a shortstop, so the, the demands were a lot different. Didi, Glaber Torres, uh, and he ended up having Tommy John on his non-throwing elbow in the minor leagues, and that took ten months. And of course, he was a, a rookie of the year finalist later. And of course, Shohei Otani—that's a little different here because he was pitching too, but he right. came back and, and, and hit in 2019. So, um, so he went underwent Tommy John surgery in 2018, but did DH in 2019 while he recovered uh, along the way. So so Muncy so, did or didn't have the surgery? Muncy did not have the surgery, but of course that was on his non-throwing uh, elbow. So Right. So it seems like the uh, the uh, the path, the path forward could be could be different uh no, depending on depending on on how they approach this and, and I mean if Otani could come back in DH maybe 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 that's the only path here. Um, it's, it's tough though, because right. again, you're locked. You know, you're locked into Bohm at third, Schwarber in left, and Cassianos in right every single day. Yeah, pretty much. There's really no yeah. escaping it now. Yep. And, and of Real course, Muto, by the way, behind, did you see yeah. Real Muto? Yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's going to have to take his days off. I mean, Stubbs has been great. Yep. Uh, Stubbs is. You see how tiny Stubbs is, by the way. <laughs> yes, five seven for a catcher, man. The, I know. the stuff that he's doing, but uh, you yeah. know that was a nice pickup by the Phillies. Uh, so yeah, Jim Lyrits so vibes from him, wasn't Jim Lyrits really short? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So far, Garrett Stubbs batting three fifty with a four oh nine uh, on base percentage and nine five nine OPS. Not bad for your catcher's day off, huh? Right. So but the question is, if you're Joe Girardi, do you try to find time to get? Hoskins out of the lineup so that you could play Real Muto at first base a little bit just to get him out of catcher. Well, Hoskins not is like Hoskins though, is tearing so. the he's you know, but he's not. Uh, he always does this. He goes out west and hits a bunch of home runs. <laughs> but overall, I mean, you, it's like clockwork every year. Um, but it's not like he's swinging the bat so well that you can't take him out of the lineup. Yeah, I, I think I think there could be some opportunities here for for him to get some first base, but. I don't know. I'm looking the last last seven games. Hoskins hitting 375. So during that stretch, that five and two stretch, he's hit he had 375. Yeah. Not a coincidence, right? Yeah. No, you're right. In fact, for the last two weeks, he's uh, if bringing out 340, four homers, 12 RBIs. Yeah, I guess he is tearing the cover of the ball. 
He always but, does that when they go west, though. It's it's like a thing for him because he's from California, I guess. So he just plays better there. But you're going to need to get some guys some days off soon, anyway. You know, yeah. um, I mean, luckily during this big stretch that we just talked about, they don't the, the double headers don't kick in just yet, right? right? So uh, so they'll be they'll be all right. They uh, they kind of. <laughs> by the way, I love when they when when they shove them back for later. Now the first double header come up is June 17th. That is in mm-hmm. DC. That's one of those games that they're making up from the uh, from the labor stoppage. So, um, but they're gonna need they're gonna need somebody soon enough. I mean, it's a month from now, but you got you got to start planning. But they do have some off days, so so that that'll be good. That'll help keep uh, Rumuto in the lineup. If uh, I'm looking at June second and sixth, they are off. So, uh, knock on wood, weather permitting, right? But uh, but they, but they play they play up until the second uh, every day after today. So yeah. You're going to need some days off there for Realmuto and maybe for some of the other guys. So oh yeah, I'm sure they'll have to pick their they'll pick their spots based upon the uh, pitching. I'm sure, but uh, but the road ahead is is going to be challenging. But as I said, the Phillies seem to rise to the occasion and play down to the competition sometimes, right? So <laughs> yeah, so maybe like you said, maybe the schedule coming up is a good thing that they're playing all decent teams. Um. Keeps them alive, keeps them going. They they do seem like gamers, right? With Castellanos and Schwarber, those seem like rise to the moment type of guys. We already knew Bryce was, right? But sometimes we've seen this team. We always co- constantly criticized this team for losing to the Marlins of the world, the Ra- the Orioles of the world. You know, they would go play bad team, the Mets, and they would not do well. This year team, you know, they seem to be up to the challenge a little bit more. Sure do, and and by the way, Jeff, you were up to the challenge today, so I, I appreciate appreciate you toughing out this uh, this this podcast, even with your uh, reduced voice. Now, go go have some tea, go have Thank some you. honey with some honey, right, so oh. that uh, you can get back on the mic uh, sooner than later, right? How how long to your next appearance on anything? Um, no, it's probably a couple days. So. Okay, so <laughs> all right, so go rest go rest up, Jeff. Everybody, thank you for listening to the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Close, the injured Jeff Mosher, vocally injured Jeff Mosher. (laughs) We'll catch you next time.